I have to start because it's Pashat uh, pressed for time. Many years ago, there was a uh, variety show on television. I'm sure you guys know what a television is. I don't have to explain it, but uh, a fellow by the name of Jerry Lewis, besides his telethon, on Saturday nights, he used to have a variety show. So I remember distinctly one Saturday night, it was his last show of the season, and he was being thrown off the air. They weren't going to continue his show the next season. He had a real nice show at Sammy David Jr. If I had more time, I'd do some of the routines, but uh, unfortunately I don't. And the last two minutes of the show, he stands on stage, takes a hold of the microphone, and he gives a farewell speech. And he says that his mother taught him an old Jewish saying, mispronounced it a bit, Gamzulatova. Gamzulatova. Everything is for the best. And he put down the mic on the stool and he walked off the stage. Made a tremendous impression on me then. I hope tonight to explain that Gamzulatova is not just an old Jewish saying. Gamzulatova is Mamish, a foundation of life. The first thing we got to know is that it's a halach and shulchan aruch. The same shulchan aruch that teaches us Hilchas Shabbos, Hilchas Tefillin. There's a halach and shulchan aruch. Simon Reish Lamed Siv Hey. A person should be used to saying, Kol ma the Ovid Rachman on the top of it. Everything that a person does is for the best. Excuse me. Everything that the Rabbani Shalom does is for the best. And this is based on a Gemara in Brachas, the Gemara tells a story about Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva taught this lesson. Everything HaKadosh Baruch Hu does is for the best. And Rabbi Akiva had a story, had a situation where he once went to a certain town and he was looking for a place to sleep. And every house he went to, they refused to give him a place to sleep. And he had to end up sleeping on the field. And Rabbi Akiva didn't say anything except, Koma the Ovid Rahman Everything Hashem does is for the best, whether I understand it or not. I just want to point out here, imagine, you have to see the difference between Rabbi Akiva and us. Imagine if we would be learning somewhere in Yerushalayim, and then we needed a place to stay, and nobody would give us a place to stay. How many complaints we would have against the Rabbi Shalom, and say, what kind of business, is this the reward you give me for learning? I have to sleep on a park bench? Rabbi Akiva did not utter a word of complaint, and he learned a lot better than we ever will. Rabbi Akiva says, I don't understand at this point. Maybe I will in the future. Maybe I won't. Maybe I won't understand until after 120 years. Koma the Rahman al 
Rabbi Akiva also had with him three things. He had a donkey, and he had a rooster, and he had a candle. The Gemara relates that the candle was blown out by the wind, the rooster was eaten up by a cat, and the donkey was eaten up by a lion. He ended up sleeping alone in solitude without anything. And each time Rabbi Akiva had no complaints. All he said was, Everything that Hashem does is for the best. The next day, they found out, Rabbi Akiva found out, that a regiment of soldiers had come into the town that night and captured everyone in the town. And had the regiment seen him, had he been in one of those houses, or had they seen his candle or heard the rooster or the donkey, they also would have captured him. But because of the fact that he had nothing with him to give himself away, he was saved from that regiment of soldiers. And Rabbi Akiva ended off, didn't I tell you? He told his Talmudim, didn't I tell you? The concept called Gamzu Latova, which is the, basically the Hebrew version of this too is for the best, is also a Gemara in Tainus. The Gemara in Tainus, Chof Aleph, Amad Aleph, tells about a certain tzaddik, a tana by the name of Mochim Ish Gamzu. Mochim, the man of Gamzu. Why was he called the man of Gamzu? Because everything that took place to him, even if he, it didn't look like it was good, he used to say, Gamzu Latova. This too is for the best. The Gemara relates, that the Jews wanted to send a special emissary to the king with a special present of beautiful stones and gems. And they figured, let's send it with Nochemish Gamzu because he's a big tzaddik. And Nisim, miracles happened to him. So they gave him this treasure chest full of gems. And he went and he slept by a certain inn. And at that inn, the proprietors were not scrupulous they stole all the gems and they filled up his chest with sand. When the Nochemish Gamzu got up and he saw the sand, he said, Gamzu Hatova. Aye, it looks pretty bad. Maybe I'll see an answer, maybe I won't. I have to trust in the Rabbi Sure enough, he got to the king's palace and he offered this present from the Jews, they opened it up, they saw a, tra- a chest full of sand, the king was was boiling mad, what kind of chutzpah is this? What kind of present is this? So Eliyahu Hanavi came disguised as one of the men, one of the soldiers of the king, and says, one moment, their forefathers, Abraham, had special sand when he fought against the king's and his sand was a miraculous sand that when it was thrown, it became spears. So, let's try it out. Sure enough, they tried out the sand on a certain country that they couldn't conquer. And they were able, through the aid of the sand, to conquer that country. So they rewarded Nochemish Gamzu with tremendous treasures. And Nochemish Gamzu went back to that inn that he had stayed over, when they saw that he brought back a treasure chest of such fine treasures, 
They asked him, what did you give the king that he repaid you so handsomely? He said, whatever I took with me when I went, in other words, the sand, that's what I gave the king. So the proprietors of the inn knocked down the inn. They took all the sand and they brought it over to the king and they said, you know, the sand that Nochemish Gamzu brought came from this, from our inn. And they were expecting a big reward. So the king tried it out and saw that it, it was regular sand. And he gave them re- the reward. He executed them. Now in these stories, Rabbi Akiva Anochem is Gamzu. You see Gamzu Latova right away. Almost right away. Almost immediately you get an answer to your queries. Why did God do this? But the trouble is, Rabbi Isaiah, not every story ends off that way. We are all going to experience, and we all experience suffering, all kinds of suffering, different levels of suffering, and we don't always get an immediate explanation of Gamzula Tova. Sometimes we do, but sometimes we don't. The question is, how do we deal with that kind of suffering? Now, before I give the answer, I wanted to point out, these, this kind of a sikha is not a sikha that's going to help much when an actual tragedy occurs. It's very hard when a tragedy occurs to bring up these concepts. Sometimes it helps. But what we have to do is incorporate these things before the tragedy happens. So that when something takes place, we already understand a little bit, and that will make it a drop easier. The key to how to deal with suffering is basically a medrash. The medrash is brought down in Shulchan Aruch, Simon Reishchav Beis, brought down in Mishnah Brura, Reishchav Beis, Seiv Dalid, and it's in the Mishnah Brura, Sif Cotton Dalid. The halacha brings down that a person I'm sorry, it's in uh, it's the Halacha Gimel and it's in the Mishnah Brewer of Sivkat and Dalit. A person is mechuyiv to make a bracha on tragedies with the same simcha that a person makes on a good thing that happens. So the Mishnah Brewer right away explains how is this possible. And the Mishnah Brewer says as follows Mishnah Brewer brings a medrash that Yitzchak. Avinu requested God for suffering. He begged God to give suffering in this world. And the Rabbani Shalom answered, Yitzchak, Dova Toiv Atamavakesh. I swear to you, you are asking for a great thing. Suffering is a great thing. And I'm going to start with you. And we find that Yitzchak Taka was one of the first ones to suffer. He became blind in his old age. This medrash is very enigmatic and very puzzling. What did this mean? Why did Yitzchak ask for suffering? And why is God saying it's a great thing? What can be so great about suffering? So the Mishnah Brura gives us the key. 
The key you have to understand, Rabbi Sai. There's a lot of foundations that we have to know. A person was created in this world, in a nutshell, we were created to get to Olam Haba. We were created to do Torah and mitzvahs to be able to get the tickets to get to Olam Haba. Unfortunately though, if we do our various, if Anashama gets dirtied, it gets stained, so there has to be a cleansing process. The neshama can't go into Gan Eden unless it's purified and cleansed. Gehenim, as we call it, hell, is not a punishment. It's a purification center. God forbid a person has a cancer, you have to burn it out sometimes. That's why some people call Gehenim purgatory. It purges the soul. It cleanses the neshama to enable it to go into Gan Eden, which is the ultimate goal, why we were created in the first place. The problem is, this purgatory is the worst suffering possible. Not, the Ramban says, there's a book in the Navi called Eov, Job, who experienced tremendous suffering in his life. And the Ramban said that all the suffering of Eov put together, doesn't come to one moment of Gehenna. It's a terrible, terrible suffering. So Yitzchak Avinu requested a tremendous favor from the Rabbi Nishalat in order to help us out. Instead of giving us our full deserve, what we deserve in Gehenna, to purify the soul, Give us suffering in this world. Any amount of suffering, any type of suffering. The Gemara said that suffering could even be putting your hand in your pocket. You need a dime and you end up taking out a quarter. You have to put your hand in again and take out another nickel or whatever it is, another quarter. Even that is a form of suffering. And yet the Rabbinu begged the Rabbani Give suffering, and that should take off whatever it could from what we deserve in Gehenna. And the truth is, it makes no sense. It's not fair. Because there is nothing in this world that comes anywhere near Gehenna. It's like telling a guy, I owe you five million dollars. We'll make a deal. I'll give you one dollar for each million. I'll give you five dollars on the spot. We'll call it a deal. And what did the Rebbein Shalom answer? Okay. Okay! That suffering should take off from Gehenna is a Gavaliga request. Because there is nothing that comes near Gehenna. But still, because God is all merciful... And he wants us not to end up in Gehenna. Hashem says, okay, I'll give suffering. So be it. There's a beautiful story, a parable, that Rabbi Hanan Wasserman gave he lived through the Holocaust. He died in the Holocaust. There's a book called Lieutenant Birnbaum, 
where a certain fellow told over Rabbi Birnbaum the last words of Rabbi Ochanan. When they asked Rabbi Ochanan Wasserman, why? Why does it happen, the whole Holocaust? It's very hard for me to say it, but here's a person who lived through it. And this is what he said. <clears throat> Once there was a man who knew nothing about agriculture, who came to a farmer to learn about farming. The farmer took him to his field and asked him what he saw. He said, I see a beautiful piece of land full of grass and pleasing to the eye. Then the visitor stood aghast as the farmer plowed up under the grass and turned the beautiful green field into a mass of brown ditches. Why did you ruin the field? I have to make it short because time is running out. Basically, the guy came to the farmer and he didn't know anything about agriculture. So every step of the way, it looked to him like destruction. He finally made holes in the ground. He says, this is destroying. It's not. Come in a month, a few months, you'll see the wheat coming out. The wheat came out. It looks beautiful. Then he goes and he chops it down, and he makes more destruction. Don't worry, it's not destruction. Then he comes and he grinds it up. The guy doesn't understand what he's doing. What are you doing? You're destroying it. Then he makes a loaf of bread out of it. He makes dough. And he thinks, ah, the guy thinks, ah, this is not bad. Then he takes it and throws it in the oven. And the guy says, what are you, crazy? You're burning everything that you did. Because the guy doesn't understand anything about how to make bread in agriculture. To him, everything looks like destruction. Finally, when the guy took it out of the oven and bought out a beautiful piece for him and gave it to him and ate, then the guy says, now I understand that all of these things that looked like destruction was really something positive. The same way Rav Ochanan said, Hashem is the farmer, and we are the fools who do not even begin to understand His ways or the outcome of His plan. Only when the process is complete will all the Jewish people know why all this had to happen. Then when Mashiach has finally come, we will know why all of this had to be. Until then we must be patient and have faith, that everything, even when it seems destructive and painful, is part of the process that will produce goodness and beauty. With this, Rav Ochanan concluded, this is the key to understanding suffering, Rabbi We don't know everything that's going on in Shemayim. We know darn well how much Gehenna we're supposed to get. We don't have to go look too far. So when suffering comes to us, and we realize that this suffering is a form of a tremendous chesed, a tremendous merciful act of God to enable us not to have to suffer so much in the next world. Then we, our perspective of suffering is a whole different ballgame. We have to understand... When things happen to us, even if it's from somebody else, that's also the Rebani Shalaylam. That fellow is just a messenger. The Sefer HaKinuch says, in the root of not taking revenge, at the root of the precept lies the purpose that a man should know and reflect that whatever happens to him, good or bad, is caused by the eternal Lord, blessed is he. And he caused it to occur to him. And it came through this human hand. Nothing can be without the will of the eternal Lord. 
Therefore should a man inflict suffering or pain on him. Let him know in his soul that his bad deeds were the cause. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu decreed this upon him. And let him not set his thoughts to take revenge from him. For the other is not the primary cause of his trouble. It is the sin that brought it about. Why is that fellow wrong? Why is he punished? Why did the Torah say that a person is punished for doing something to you if he's just a messenger of the Rabban Shalom? Ramban talks about that. That's not for tonight's sicha. But what we have to understand is that whatever happens to us is coming from the Rabban Shalom. So when things happen, instead of just looking into the physical reasons why it happened, we have to start thinking, what did I do to deserve it? We won't even know where to look because we did so much. But at least we will console ourselves and realize that the suffering that we're enduring is a tremendous thing for us. It's helping us out at the end. Imagine a woman who's having a child. It's hard for a man to understand and relate to the suffering that a woman goes through during labor. But you ask a woman after she has the baby, how was the suffering? It was suffering, but it was a great suffering because the suffering had purpose. I understood that this suffering ultimately would be the greatest thing for me. I'll end off with a story. Unfortunately, I, there's a lot I couldn't say, but there's a beautiful story about Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi came to Eliyar Novi. He wanted to see Eliyar Novi in action. And Eliyar Novi says, no, you're not going to understand what I do. You'll have a lot of questions and you won't be able to you won't be able to endure what I do. He says, I want to come. So he made a deal. Eliyar Novi said, I'll tell you what, the, next, the first time you ask any questions about what I'm doing, then you have to leave. Fine. So they went, Rabbi Yeshua Malavi Eliyahu went to a fellow, a poor man with a, his wife. All they had was one cow. And they tried to be as hospitable as they could. And they gave them milk or whatever they had from the cow and cheese. They gave him a place to sleep. The following morning, Eliyahu he got up and he dove into the Rabbani Shalom that the cow should die. And the cow died. And the, the old man and his wife were crying. This was their whole sustenance. And Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi couldn't believe it. He goes, over to Eliyahu why'd you do it? This is the way you repay their hospitality. Eliyahu says, I told you so. You want to call it quits? The guy says, no, okay. Forget about it. So they continued, and they went to a rich man's house, and the rich man did not treat them at all in the way he could have. He, did, he didn't take care of them the way he, he should have. And Eliyar Novi saw there was a wall of the rich man's house that, was, that had fallen down. So he got up and built it for the rich man and saved him trouble. Again, Rabbi Shubham Levi couldn't understand this guy does a lousy job of hospitality, and you actually pay him. You build up his wall. Then they went to a third place, 
where again the hospitality, the people in the town did not take care of him well. And Eliyahu left the town and he gave them what seemed to be a bracha. May you have many leaders. You should be privileged to have many leaders. And finally they came to a different town where they did treat them very well. And when Eliyahu left, he gave them not such a good bracha, apparently. He said, may you have one leader. This already was too much. Rabbi Shulman Levi went to four places with Eliyahu He couldn't understand what he was doing. So he says, okay, I give up. I have to leave. Tell me. Explain it to me. How could all these things seem to be good? Eliyahu said, my dear, you don't know what's going on in Shemayim. You don't have all the information. You're missing a lot of things that, that they know in Shemayim that you can't know. For example, he said, in the first place that we went, the old man and the woman, you didn't know that there was a decree in Shemayim that the old man was supposed to die. So I prayed to the Almighty that because of their hospitality, instead of killing the old man, kill the cow instead. They don't know it. You don't know it. So when this terrible tragedy happens, all they have is complaints against the Almighty. Why did God do this? Is this justice? How can they possibly know? They don't know what's going on in Shemayim. They don't have all the information. If they would know exactly what's going on, they would jump for joy that the husband is alive and the cow died. In the second place that I went to, the rich man, I wasn't doing him any favors by building up the wall, because the truth is that there's a treasure right underneath that wall. If he would have built it up himself, he would have found it. But he'll never find it, because I built it up. And in the third place that we went, I didn't give them a bracha. I told them they should have many leaders that's a curse. Too many leaders, and there are no followers. They're always fighting with each other. Everyone wants to be the leader. But in the last place that I went to, there I gave a true bracha, and I said, they should have only one leader. If there's one leader, then, that, then everyone follows him. That's true peace. And that's what Eleonovi told Abishuam and Levi. You can't judge every situation, because you don't know all the missing information that's going on in Shemayim. I'll just end off with one observation. Many a time, we go through a similar situation. Maybe for the first time in many years, some of us maybe even went to Shul on Yom Kippur. And I know many stories where guys have complained. Rabbi, I went to Shul on Yom Kippur, and my money was stolen from my room. Is this the reward that God gives me for finally going to Shul on Yom Kippur? And again, the answer is, you're missing so much information. I'm not a Nobi, I'm not a prophet. I can't tell you for sure what's going on in Shammai. But I can tell you a possibility. Could very well be that this money that was stolen, you were supposed to lose. That was already decreed in heaven. How you're going to lose it is another story. It could be there was a decree that God forbid you should have ended up in the hospital and pay medical bills. But because you went to Shur on Yom Kippur, Hashem changed the decree that instead of losing the money the harder way, you'll lose it an easier way. 
you just have it stolen and you'll forego the medical bills. Or God forbid a worse tragedy was supposed to happen. We can't know these things. But one thing is clear. If we live with this belief and understanding and learn more about it, that whatever happens to us, even if it looks pretty bad, but it's a tremendous chesed, it's waking us up. It's trying, Hashem is giving us a wake-up call before it's too late. And it also takes away a tremendous amount of Gehenna. If we could understand that, then we'll live a much happier life in this world and in the next.